Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Robin. Uh, Robin is proof that if you were patient enough with me, I will eventually get back to you if you write me and ask to be on the show. It took almost a year, but uh, I finally got him on the show, and uh, it's really, really interesting. This one goes all over the place, which is one of my favorite kind of episodes. So uh, sit back and enjoy, everyone. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm 50 now, so I'm, I'm, I'm not young and uh, I, I've been playing video games like forever. And I, I don't know why, but I just hadn't heard of From Software at all until I guess in the, whenever it was, 2009 or so. I, I think I was, you know, I, I, I regularly read things in GameSpot, things like that, and I came across... Something about this um, RPG, this 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 game called Demon Souls that was supposed to be difficult, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll um, <laughs> why not? I'll give that a go. I'll uh, you know, it, it it sounded intriguing and challenging and strange and mysterious all at the same time, and naively I had in my mind and I don't know why and it took me a long time to kind of get over this idea in my mind my subconscious was saying to me but of course you being such a experienced gamer you won't need <laughs> any help you know you can do this yourself of course you can and so I stupidly sort of bought Demon Souls in about 2009 or so when it was out in Australia and I um I loaded it up and the it was I just it I mean, I really persevered. The, the bizarre thing is I persevered through most of the game. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I found it so difficult and so strange. I'd never, I mean, I played so many games and I'd never played anything like this in my life. And I, I the thing I remember the most is, is it, for one that's the storm you know the where there's the sort of mechanical samurai warriors mm-hmm. sort of come at you and i remember doing that i don't know i must have spent hours trying to just get past the, you know the first little bit leading to the stairs i just did that over and over and over again and i just thought there's something wrong with me i can't do this there's something wrong with me but every time i said i can't do this this fear would grip me like if I can't do this, what does that say about me? What does that say about me as a gamer? Stop. <laughs> and the bizarre thing was I went back to Demon's Souls a couple of years because I stopped. You know where you get to the bit with the dragon, um, sort of the final, It's is it 1-4 or 1-5? There's a dragon on breathing fire. Yeah. yeah, on the steps. I got to there and I I just, I don't even remember why, but I just stopped and I left it. And when I went back a couple of years later after I'd, finished Dark Souls 2 and I'm, I, I was totally, I was fat rolling. I was wearing the strangest armor. I, I, I couldn't understand my build. I'm like, why am I built like this? What am I doing? I, I couldn't even keep going. I had to start again because what I'd done and where I'd gotten to made no sense to me at all. So that, that, was, that was the start of playing these games. And so, um, and then I, and then from there I moved to, 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 um, I did, I did uh, purchase Dark Souls 1 very briefly, but it was very brief. Um, 
uh, after and and I, I I fired that up. I got got to uh, the Firelink Shrine. I I thought, well, clearly skeletons must be the next part because I didn't know there was a staircase up. I didn't even see that, and because I died almost immediately to the skeletons, I thought. I just can't do, I can't do this, and I gave it up and gave it away. Um, so that was kind of <laughs> my my experience with Dark Souls has always been one of complete anxiety, confusion, and paranoia all at the same time. <laughs> How I managed to get through, I really don't know. But anyway, that's so a that's pretty good starting was, point, though. That's that's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what were you playing around this time? Like, were you are you were you a, a pr- traditionally like a console gamer for most of your life, or were you kind of all over the place? Like, I'm kind of curious what games you were playing and why you chose to like pick up this this weird looking Demon Souls game. Yeah, I mean, I, I played you know um, RPGs, so you know things like um, Baldur's Gate and Half Life. Um, I played those. Um, I'm just trying to think. Back. I mean, I played um, what's the one before Skyrim? Um, Morrowind uh, or Oblivion? Yeah, Morrowind, those. So I played those sorts of games. I'd always been really into the RPG kinds of games. But I think the thing I realise now on reflection is the thing that kept me going and playing Dark Souls and when this experience, there was a moment in Dark Souls which was very similar to my experience of playing Silent Hill, particularly Silent Hill 2, is I realised that the thing that really drew me to the From Software games was the fact that they're not really RPGs. They are, but they're actually survival horror games. And for me, survival horror games have always been incredibly important um and incredibly i've always been drawn to them there's this thing in in survival horror games like resident evil but particularly silent hill and i think of silent hill 2 there's uh, you're in the hospital in silent hill 2 and i remember um being in one of the rooms one of these dank dirty dingy hospital rooms I'm safe in that room, but it's the it's a horrible room. But I know if I step outside into the corridor, you know, all kinds of uh, you know unspeakable things are going to confront me when I go out. <laughs> and that was exactly how I felt at the bottom of Blight Town when I was sitting at the bottom of Blight Town in that swamp. Uh, I was kind of safe at the at the bonfire, and it was kind of a miracle I'd gotten that far. I mean, I really fought my way down Blight Town and to that to that fire at the bottom there. But I felt like I was a million miles from anywhere and incredibly alone and currently safe where I was. But as soon as I stepped out of that cave. I was again going to face all manner of unspeakable horrors and I had no idea how I was going to deal with it. And that was, you know, in retrospect, it's that kind of feeling that really drew me to those games and why I play so many survival horror games as well. Um, yeah, and it was more that more than RPG. And, I, and that's the thing I think about with the with, with particularly with Dark Souls and Demon Souls is that, they are kind of action RPGs on the surfaces, but that's like saying life is kind of like a walking simulator with some dating, you know, <laughs> you know, they'll get into so it, it's, it, you know, there's so many different ways you can play dark souls. That's what's so incredibly 
and I've never played it like an RPG. I've played it more like a survival horror game where I've been incredibly vulnerable and weak and I've always relied on other people to help me to get through it. And I've always felt incredibly terrified by the experience, at least with Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls, less so with Dark Souls 2 and definitely not with Dark Souls 3, but definitely with Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of fascinating the way that people approach these these different games whether mm-hmm. from a role playing perspective or from just a, a pure mechanical standpoint. Um, okay. Were were you also kind of intrigued by the the story, or like, are you do you pay attention to those kind of things? Like, did, and how long did it take you to to pick up on like the relatively inscrutable story of <laughs> Dark Souls and Demon Souls? I had no, I had no idea. I- I, I found, you know, I, I've been playing, yeah, game, games, RPG games for, for decades, and I'd never played anything that was so strange, so so strange in, in a way. You know, I played plenty of games like, you know, Mass Effect or whatever where there's aliens and alien planets, but there's something always understandable about, you know, the, the aliens, even though they're alien, they there's something actually incredibly often it they seem you know quite uh, things about them you can you can kind of latch on to but there was things about demon souls and dark souls that were just so strange this didn't i really struggled to 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 really understand what what was happening a lot of the time and the people I was meeting and why they were I mean even Ed you know in Demon Souls Ed the blacksmith this guy and with this Scottish accent who's kind of passive aggressive who sits in the uh, um, you know uh, sits in the uh, the nexus and even the nexus itself this really strange unusual places almost like a dream logic to them so but once I, I mean, I, I think what happened was with, with Dark Souls 1 is that I once I started connecting with the community, I started listening to things like Bonfireside Chat and also I, I started watching Varty's videos. Um, it was like you know, the scales had fallen from my eyes and uh, suddenly things that were completely just alien and strange and made no sense started to make a lot of sense. And that's really when I became really, you know, I really um, fell in love with these games in a way I hadn't with, with other games before. So uh, it, it was this, it was that process of being completely flummoxed by everything. And, and then suddenly the, the, the world appearing or, or uncovered through this you know enough of this bloody mindedness that i i uh, i was going to do it all myself i realized that paradoxically even though dark souls and demon souls are very solitary actually paradoxically they work best when you when you interface with a community in some way and that's what made the the big difference uh in that way it's interesting, okay. right? Like it's it's hmm. fun hearing other people's like stories and, and things because Dark Souls can be just about anything that you want it to be. So yeah, you, you so, kind of bring what you want to the story, and it creates your own like not necessarily mini story, but it it's you, you can kind of come out of it not not realizing yeah. it was um, not realizing that there was an actual story versus what you yeah. saw and what you experienced, and I, I think that's really fascinating for a game to do that. 
It is, and and then to add to the layer, of course, is that the stories that are created as you play the game, and and as I said, for me, I as I started to understand more about the law, but I remember when I, um, when I eventually, um, you know, got to the end of Dark Souls One, and and there I am, uh, in in the arena with, um, sorry, my. What's his name? The the final boss in Dark Souls One. Quinn. Quinn. Ah, so many. Um, I, I remember I I brought in with as with most bosses. I actually got help with most bosses. Or oh, my thirteen year old daughter beats the bosses. But I I, I brought in a, a um someone to help me, and I'd done this a number of times because I just fe- felt like I couldn't do it. So here's me building this story of I'm playing this survival horror sort of game, I've reached the end, and even though I'm supposed to be the one who's so all-powerful, who's supposed to bring about the age of light or dark, I just didn't feel I was capable of doing it. Gwyn was just too powerful for me, which now in retrospect, I have beat him since then. I, I, I you know, I, I understand the mechanics, but at that time, I didn't. So I brought these people with me and I brought maybe five or six people with me and every time they died. <laughs> so I'm standing there. I'm no good. I'm standing there in fear going, somebody beat this guy for me. Like, you, I don't know. Have you ever read um, 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 the um, um, the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, The Unbeliever, the, the fantasy series by Stephen Donaldson that came out in the 1980s. It's a fantasy series about this man who has leprosy gets transported to a fantasy world where he's expected to be the hero, and he cannot be the hero. In fact, he's, he's completely inept, and everybody around him is heroic, and he is not, and but they keep putting him on a pedestal and keep expecting him to do things. And this is how I felt in, in Dark Souls. I'm like, <laughs> I'm expected to bring about everything and I can't do it. And these people who are helping me keep dying. Anyway, I got to the sixth person and I thought, oh, they're not going to be any good because the person I brought, brought in to help me, and I'm running out of humanity at this stage, oh, they look they just had like on, they didn't have any armor. They just have flowing robes and some funny um, feathers and um, wings in their hair. And I'm thinking, they're not going to be able to do anything. What, what are they going to Anyway, so all right, let's go and see if they can help. So we went into Gwyn again, and, he, and there's me trying to make sure I don't die. And this person, whoever they were, just stood there and parried Gwyn effortlessly over and over again. <laughs> and I stood there, and my wife was with me, and we stood there with our mouths agape as this person just stood there and just parried Gwyn to death in, you know, easily. And that was it. Then it was the end. And that was the first time I played to the end of Dark Souls 1, which is kind of not the way I suppose you're supposed to finish it. You're supposed to end. It's supposed to be super heroic. But I kind of didn't do anything. You know, this other person was the hero, not me. So there's an example of building a story on a story. Um <laughs> <laughs> in that way. So I felt more like Thomas Covenant, I think, than anything. In that <laughs> I've never heard of that series before, but uh, I, I looked it up and I, I put a link in the show notes if anybody else wants to go seek it out. But it's right. actually the Kindle version. It's only like three bucks on Amazon. So uh, right. I'm always looking for new fantasy series. So I'll, I'll definitely give that a read. Yeah, it's, it's quite, quite like he has leprosy and he has he can't feel his fingers and his toes. So he's he's actually numb and quite disabled. 
and very angry. So, you know, and there's this wonderful fantasy world that he's supposed to be saving. So you can imagine how angry, because he thinks it's a dream. It's not real. It's just a figment of his imagination. So it's quite an interesting inversion of the typical fantasy hero kind of story, which I'm very drawn to. So Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the things that about like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, like, you're not yeah. the hero of those stories um, or no. demon, demon souls as well. Like if anything, you're, you're an agent for destruction in those lands. Um, <laughs> yes. you, I always love the joke of um, the best way to get the, the best endings for any of the NPCs in a souls game is just to never speak to them ever and leave them in where they, <laughs> <laughs> where they start is the moment you speak to them, you, you actively make their life worse and worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> Poor people. Oh, that, that that reminds me of uh, it didn't happen to me but uh, i listened to a, a podcast called dark calls which was a uk podcast someone who played dark souls blind except for their mate who um uh, 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 it was twin humanities that that had the link to this 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 one and they uh and the poor guy in it he he um he accidentally um hit the onion man in um uh, in in Anor Londo and spent <laughs> spent the next few days literally running from one end of Anolondo to the next <laughs> of shit. And it was incredibly frustrating because he you know he couldn't undo what he'd done. Uh, and uh, you know I, I, things like that I think are hilarious because it really undercuts the entire kind of heroism of, of things when when you end up actually being chased down by an NPC rather than actually getting on with the game. So yeah. Um <laughs> When I first started playing Dark Souls, uh, uh, I had never really played. Like, I never really watched like Let's Plays or anything like that. Yeah, it was yeah. just um, like I just didn't like I, that was a new thing at that time for me. And uh, yeah. there was a guy yeah. on the Something Awful boards that was doing one, yeah. and everybody was talking about how great it was. And mm. I was probably uh, I'm gonna say like to Anne Orlando. So I picked up this Let's Play thinking like, okay, well I've already seen all of this stuff before. Like I don't need to worry about it. And it was a similar situation. There was a, a guy playing that was totally blind to the game, and then there was a guy playing uh, that was on the on the call, uh, but that had no that had all the experience that, that knew everything. And um, they were down in the lower berg. <coughs> Excuse me. He had just gotten ambushed by those three assassins, and uh, he gets invaded, and so he hides in what, the room by the assassin and proceeds to have this experience with this invader because the invader was a complete troll. The invader was not like just there to kill him and then leave. The invader wanted to screw with him constantly and seeing this play out, like seeing this next, like it would, it has to be like five minutes or so, but seeing this next 20 minutes of this invader, just constantly like opening doors, closing doors, trying to poison him, all of this stuff. Absolutely ridiculous. Made me realize like, Oh wait, there's a whole level to this game that I have no idea about and that I didn't know before. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes and um yeah I, it was really interesting because one of the things i i decided to do with both both dark souls one and three was to platinum the games which i don't know why i decided to do this but i but it was just something to do and it was quite interesting because first of all it changed the game to sort of more of a puzzle game because it's like well how do i achieve these things and a lot of the a lot of the achievements were around doing invasions and killing people which you know i i i just i tried in fact i remember listening one of the one of the one of the most memorable 
bonfire side chats i remember was i think i think you talked about how to you know invasions and things and strategies to do that i i remember that particular um um where you guested and talked about how you did your invasions and uh, so i thought i'll try that i'll i'll, I'll do do some of that and i just i just wasn't getting the required proof of concord caps or whatever they are that you're supposed to amass to be able to get certain achievements so i started lurking in people's games so i would wait till other people invaded and did that for me and i got the i got the i, I got the necessary materials but the amount of hate i got for doing that for just sort of hanging out and hiding in in, in other people's <laughs> games people just was got so angry with me for doing and i explained to them i just want to you know i just want to get this achievement uh, I, you know i'd explain to them and they were just absolutely furious that i would be playing this game in this particular way so yeah dark souls players were a special breed of um hate mongers in a, in a yeah. very weird way for as much as this community has been lauded for all yeah. of the good things and like all of the amazing things yeah. that it's created. Uh, it's that whole segment of PVP players that yeah. you didn't bow or, you know, you're a piece yeah. of trash or d- even starting with the racist and homophobic remarks. Um, it just, it, I, I had to, have to imagine it turned a bunch of people off to the experience. Yeah. And I, and I have to say for me, I think by dark souls three, it seemed, I don't know if the games just became more popular or they perhaps because of the way they were marketed as it's about this sort of balls to the wall, it's super hard. I feel, I feel over time that's, that's become worse. I don't know. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's, that's my feeling. But then again, I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of dark souls three in the series anyway. So maybe that was part of it as well. But um, yeah. How come? Well, I think I think for me, Dark Souls Dark Souls Three feels very derivative. Um, it feels um, there were too many callbacks, and it didn't. It felt like it was you know things go through these you know there's the sort of the the you know series go through this thing where they start and then they become kind of knowing and self reflexive about themselves. They you know they kind of refer to themselves in some way and dark souls 3 does that so much and there was things about dark souls 3 mechanically is very good and the graphics were great but it just for me it felt and also the the story and of course i'm listening to bonfire side chat so i'm very influenced by that as well but the stories just didn't work the same way as um earlier ones in the series and Whilst whilst some people liked the callbacks and Anna Londo, I found those I I I didn't like that. I I didn't want to see Anna Londo again, and it and it felt very unsatisfying to, for me. So I I really I really felt that game of of the three just just really just lacked a certain level of substance that the others have and so i probably spent the least amount of time um with that one so yeah what was um after playing demon souls and Mm. dark souls and coming back to it finding that you love it did you were you following along with the release of dark souls 2 like were you following kind of like the hype train yeah so i think for me i was as i was finishing dark souls 1 
Dark Souls 2 was going to be coming out, as I remember, you know, it was it was this sort of wonderful sort of apex point where I was really getting into Dark Soul, Dark Souls and the whole the whole Souls universe. And this, you know, Dark Souls 2 was was just around the corner. So I really, really that's when I really um, was at my sort of apex of so excited and so excited to play Dark Souls 2. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dark Souls 2. I probably spent most time playing Dark Souls 2 in total. And whilst, you know, there's things about it that, that are perhaps not as good as Dark Souls 1, but there were problems with Dark Souls 1 as well. The second half of Dark Souls 1 is not as strong as the first half. A lot of technical issues with Dark Souls 1 as well, which people often forget, um, you know, Blight Town and the frame rates and things. But um, I've spent most time with Dark Souls 2, I think. And... Um, so yeah, I really, I really liked that game. I played that a lot, um, and I liked the fact that it was, it, it, it was uh, brave enough not to be dark. So that's the thing. Dark Souls Two doesn't try to be Dark Souls One in the same way, whereas Dark Souls Three feels like it's trying to be Dark Souls One in in, in some ways. And so I really admire that about Dark Souls Two. I think structurally it's very different. It tells smaller stories. And there's just so much content in Dark Souls 2. That's the other thing. It's huge. It always reminds me of, <laughs> you know, it reminds me of when people talk about the book War and Peace, which is a is a is a incredibly accessible book to read considering how old it is. But one of the things they say about it, if you like that kind of book, it's great because it's so big and there's so much of it. And <laughs> that's kind of what Dark Souls 2 is like. If you really like Souls games there's a lot of it with the dlc it is massive it's absolutely huge uh so there's so much there so much content there so it's yeah. funny you bring up um, um war and peace i just recorded with uh jason killingsworth the guy that wrote you down oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 um, his episode is coming out not, not next week, but the week after. Um, wait, yeah. if, as people are listening to this, like three months ago, so sorry. <laughs> but uh, um, he brought up a, an article that he had uh, he had actually written an article to respond to, uh, and the original article was a guy like saying, "Are these like thousand hour games worth it or whatever?" And like My the thumbs, second yep, yep. sentence in that article is something like, "You know, with the time that you spent playing Dark Souls, you could have read War and Peace three times." Yes, and I'm like, "Yeah, but then I wouldn't be able to kill any motherfuckers in Blood Town." <laughs> so, <laughs> what is that? I guess the joke's on you because I feel like War and Peace wouldn't have really, you know, blown my mind up or anything. Whereas killing a bunch of dudes in Blight Town, however, really made me happy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I read I read all of that series. I was fascinated by that by Michael Thompson's. Uh, you know, is, is Dark Souls two the worst game ever? And and then the responses to it uh, and those sorts of things was 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 absolutely fascinating uh, to me. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, reading a book is just yeah, but exactly right. <laughs> and um, the other the other book that comes to mind, which which reminds me of Dark Souls 1 a lot, is a book called Gravity's Rainbow, which uh, oh. I don't know if you've, ever tr- <laughs> if you've ever tried to read Gravity's Rainbow, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried? No, no, I haven't. It, 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 is, it is the Dark Souls of, of books. It is incredibly dense and difficult. It, like, it is exhausting to read. It's incredibly difficult to read. Most people would give up 
after reading some of it. But the reward of actually sticking with it is incredible because it's one of those books that just has so much in it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, those are the two books I think about when I think about Dark Souls is, uh, is, is, is Gravity's Rainbow and War and Peace. <laughs> so. The only time I... Uh... I really associate anything with Gravity's Rainbow is um, I was a really big fan of the the Witness when it came out. Yeah, um, and as as far as good as that game is, uh, it has some really egregious stuff at the at the back end, but it isn't required. Like it's all optional. But you know, the right. game forces you to watch Jonathan Blow's like favorite art films in order to solve puzzles <laughs> if you want to like completely one thousand percent it. Uh, <laughs> But there was a bunch of interviews um, that came out around the release of that game. And, and he, I think one of the quotes, and I'm, I know I'm not quoting it directly, so I'm just going to paraphrase. But it was basically like, you know, why can't video games be the, the gravity's rainbow of, of, of books? And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and I don't, I don't know anything about gravity's rainbow besides literally what you just told me. And the fact that it's named gravity's rainbow. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's one of those things that is just permanently associated with like a kind of smug douchiness that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and look that's not the book's fault at all that's all on me for for just making sure. these assumptions but uh that's the only thing that ever comes to mind i yeah <clears throat> yeah it's um um oh, it's just uh, i just i just had a thought then i just uh just just um yeah so uh and there is a smug douche and it's definitely about people who have read gravity's rainbow and you know sometimes i suppose people think Maybe there's a smug douchiness about people who, you know, claim they've they've finished, you know, Dark Souls or Soul Level One or whatever it may be, you know, like uh, compared to your average <laughs> gamer as well. It kind of uh, maybe polarizes uh, people a little. But the, the the really the thing I really admire about the Soul series, because when I think about when Dark Souls and Demon Souls came out in that sort of 2009 to 2011, they were sort of era. There was a lot of video games that were coming out that there was almost this pervading idea. I don't know if you remember back to that time, you know, about 10 years ago where, you know, video games were going to be kind of like interactive movies. That's where they were heading. So video games were becoming increasingly cinematic. uh, And there's still a a strand of that. And, you know, you had your Call of Duties and, and, and things like that. But then a bunch of games came along, you know, Minecraft for one, but but also Dark Souls came along and said, no. And, and you know, people saying The Last of Us was the, what, the Citizen Kane of video games? You know, <laughs> trying to make video games, books or movies is fucking bullshit. It's not that it's its, its own form and so you know this and that's to me dark souls and demon souls came along and went no you don't have to be a movie to be an incredibly you know a masterpiece of a video game in fact what makes video games a masterpiece is something else it's not just a sort of a piece of cinema with some interactivity in it and that for me is you know incredibly important about because, you know, if you think about Dark Souls, if you had sort of described it to somebody in the, like, it's very static in many ways. You know, the creatures don't move around. They're kind of fixed in one place. I mean, I know in the later part, latter parts of the series they do move around more. But um, it's not like it's sort of dynamic and cinematic in that way. In fact, if anything, it's kind of it kind of really undercuts that those ideas completely. But what it does is it brings 
a whole lot a whole lot of ways that video games work and it and it reinv- sort of re- re- repackages them and reinvents them in really different and interesting and dynamic ways incredible video game design which is not like movies which is not like books at all and for me that's one of the most enduring you know pieces of value of these from software games are is in some way they define what it is that makes video games good and apart from other sorts of media and that for me is incredibly important i like to call them uh i like to say that dark souls is a video game ass video game like to put it in real crude terms (laughs) like it just remembers that it's a video game a lot of the time and uh, most importantly and this is the thing that i think that Dark Souls 3 fails at, and this is a reason that I've not put as much time into Dark Souls 3, is that um, the original games don't seem to concern themselves much with the actual player. They just they, they they just they they care that you play the game, but they don't like loop you in. You're not the game's like conspiracy. Like it's not putting its arm around you and whispering all the secrets in your ear. It's just being like, okay, you're here and you're engaging with the game, so we're just going to let you do that in any way that yeah. you want to. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Dark Souls 3 is, is a little bit different. And I, that's, mm. those callbacks, that's that's exactly what that feels like to me. It's like, oh, hey, you're the player. We remember you. We like you. Don't you yes. like us? It's, it's one of those situations. Yes. And it's it's kind of frustrating. Um, it was one thing that Bloodborne handled very well was mm. even though the the world was even, I think, more static than, than even Dark Souls 1. Like this very few yes. NPCs, no yep. real, like extremely memorable quest lines or anything like that. Mm. Other than maybe two, uh, which is not a lot. It, but at the same time, like Bloodborne lets you engage with that or not, and I thought that was really interesting. I, where were you at on Bloodborne? Like, are, we we haven't we've been kind of skirting around the issue. But did you were you following the release of that? Did you buy PS4 just for Bloodborne? <laughs> like, tell me, yes, tell me the Bloodborne uh, story. Yes, yes uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, um, yeah, PS4. I mean, I got PS4 as soon as I could. Um, I, uh, I, uh, and Bloodborne, I. I, I had it day day one. So, uh, and also I'm a, I, I played Call of Cthulhu as a, a you know role playing and and HP Lovecraft. So I was very excited um, to 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 play to play that. Although I didn't I didn't know obviously when I first played Bloodborne that it would be an HP Lovecraft. <laughs> you know, it's funny now I'm I'm sort of re- revising my memory thinking I always knew it was uh you know, it was all about that, but actually you don't know that when you first play it. But um so yes, I did I I um I got that. So the 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 only thing for me uh, Bloodborne the story um and the atmosphere is incredible. The, the, the I think the thing is that the it felt a bit more restrictive in in how you played the game. So I think the saying before, the thing I love about Dark Souls in particular is that you can approach that game in so many ways. You can play it in so many different ways. I mean, even in sort of the builds, you can you can play a magic user. You can almost play a magic user like you're a first-person, like a first-person shooter in a way in Dark Souls 1. I felt like in, in Bloodborne, I was more restricted in how I played the game and the other thing paradoxically for me i was talking before about survival horror i always think about horror in this way about being very vulnerable and having limited resources and really kind of up against it and whilst bloodborne is is the the fights are difficult it felt like you were much more capable and it was much more of a fighting game 
than a survival horror game. I didn't feel so survival horror-y to me as Dark Souls 1 did. So I think those things for me tended to undercut my expectations of what I wanted from from that game, I suppose. That's the that's probably the things that that that, that made it more difficult for me to be to, to fall fall in love with Bloodborne as much as, as Dark Souls because I probably wanted probably would have wanted something more survival horror y mm-hmm. rather than sort of more more action fighting focused because that's not something, you know, at my age and, and, and I'm just don't, I just don't excel at, at those sorts of games anyway. So I probably found the experience, the atmosphere and w- w- those sorts of things around Bloodborne would, were, were incredible, particularly because there was nothing else at that time on the PS4 that, ca- that came even close. So, um, so that's the only thing for me with, with Bloodborne would, would, would be would be that so yeah it's yeah. um it's it's interesting because it's very much more of a action focus game and, mm. I, and i've mentioned this on the cast before but it, it makes me wonder if there was a a division in that development where um mm. it, it seems like the stat system is almost an afterthought like the build system yeah. in that game is doesn't necessarily work out to what you might actually want to be in that mm-hmm. game so like yeah. <clears throat> I'm curious if there was a, a possibility for just uh, like, hey, I'm just just you have a weapon, like, and you can like, and you have an upgrade system, like you know, Devil May yeah. Cry or something. And you don't even have to worry about any of these stats. If you want to use the yeah. the fun flashy fire weapon, you can, uh, or, or yeah. whatever that system is. So yeah, 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 yeah. So I I um I did yeah I did wonder about the whole uh, system because. Um, and 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 it is it is interesting because I, I recently played, which is very different, but I played a um, a game called Soma, uh, which for me was incredibly powerful and very evocative. But you know the action was was very limited, and I think you know you for me that's probably where I with with Bloodborne in particular, I just. I just, I, I, I really like like the game, but I just, um, I don't have the reflexes of a twenty two year old anymore. I'm like the Jeff Green of Australia. You know, I love watching <laughs> Jeff Green's Let's Play because you know what? I so, I so got the guy, and the poor guy's playing. I think he, I don't know if he ever finished Dark Souls three. The poor guy's playing, and he keeps getting these messages going. How old are you? How old's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like I so get it, you know. Like, it's, and it's one of the. I mean, it's one of the great things about Dark Souls for me is that um, at my age, there's very few dudes like me around. Like, I know almost no other guys my age who play video games. As far as they're concerned, they're for children. Mm-hmm. So I don't have many people around me who, you know, just just do the sorts of things I do. And at the same time, my kids are sort of young, little kids, so I, I sort of don't really know many people in their 20s and 30s, really. So Dark Souls has been great for me that I've been able to connect with a community of people with, you know, similar interests that otherwise I wouldn't wouldn't get to do, which has been incredibly important for me because I don't I don't really have... You know, I don't have many peers around me who I can sort of share my experiences with. So um, that's been that's been really important for me. Um, with it's, Dark Souls, it's, well. it's interesting. I've um, 
I've recorded a lot of these episodes and um, yeah. I think you're like either the third, you're either number three or number five or somewhere in there of the people that identify themselves as, as being, you know, 45 plus um, and <laughs> still liking games. And it's shocking yeah. to me because like 45, um, you know, that puts you probably being born in 1970-ish, <clears throat> maybe a little earlier. And, um, 67, yeah. 67, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like that hitting the 1980s when you know video games were a thing and then coming out of that like thinking that those are for kids like really boggles my mind like i'm really surprised more people um in that age bracket don't don't play games uh and i think that's that's rapidly changing i think you know in the next 10 years people might you know i'm i'm 37 or i'm 37 on monday so i'm 36 point nine 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 um happy birthday for monday (laughs) thank you uh but you know, people my age in 10 years will definitely be playing these games and or will be playing, you know, video games. But at the same time, I'm very similar to you. Mm. I really want to play Marvel versus Capcom three. It's gorgeous. Mm. It has all of my favorite Marvel characters. Like I can play a team with like X-Men <laughs> on it and yeah. have a great time. Uh, but I am just not like my, my hands can literally just not keep up with the amount of combos and button <laughs> pressing that's required. It's just too much for me. So <laughs> yeah. you know, w- with that in mind, uh, with the way that from software has been building games, like if you look at them historically, uh, they've gone from a much slower paced games to much faster paced games, right? They started with that shadow tower Kingsfield. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, even demon souls um, and dark souls one feel pretty slow compared to bloodborne and dark souls three. What do you yeah. want to see from them next? Like, where would you want that studio to go? Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, so I would like them to go back to slower paced games. So I, I'm not, I'm less interested in more action oriented games. And the two areas I think, thinking about Bloodborne, I would love to see more along those lines, but perhaps something which is more your kind of classic Call of Cthulhu 1920s, 1930s period. I would, I would very much, that would, and focused more on the strangeness and alienation uh, of the story rather than purely action. So that would be one thing. The other thing is is kind of obvious is the sci-fi space. You know, I really, I loved uh, Dead Space, you know, Dead Space and Soma. So Soma is something I've played recently, which is an incredibly impressive horror type of game. Very unsettling, very alien, very strange. I would, I would like them to do something in that space as well. So, for me, uh, it's probably those those two areas that I would very much like to see them do something. I'm not, I don't necessarily feel very confident that that will <laughs> seeing where they're going with uh, with the new um, of Code Vein, I think it's called. Um, but but that's what I would like to see. Very, very cool. Well, thank you, Robin, for staying up super late in the future um, <laughs> and, uh, and and recording with me. I, I really, really appreciate the time, and um, this has been a really fun conversation. Thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Where can you be found on the interwebs? Uh, well, I, I'm not really active on, on Twitter or anything like that. So the only thing I think related to, um, to, to, to the Soul series is that I have been aggregating news stories and, and, um, and podcast things on, on Flipboard. It's called Bloody Souls Man. 
and there's over a thousand um, entries in there. So these are these are you know these are magazine articles, podcasts, you name it that I've aggregated over the last well, I don't know four or five years, I suppose, that are on there. So that's probably that's probably the only thing. But uh, yeah. Check it out. There's, there's. I went through them. There's some pretty interesting old articles. The ones we were talking about, about the, uh, you know, the reading, you know, reading War and Peace and those sorts of things. Those articles are in there. So I was just having a look at them. So they're all there. So that, that's the only um, thing I would say. Well, thank you again for guesting. It, it, this has been, this has been a delightful conversation. So I really appreciate you staying up super late. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the social media networks, including the Instagram, where I put up brief videos of each podcast uh, so that you can kind of get an idea of what you're going to listen to before you jump all the way in. I don't know if anybody listens to those, but you know it's a thing to do. So hopefully you guys are enjoying them. Um, if you'd like to, uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes that boosts us up in the charts and makes me feel good as a person. So you probably want to make someone feel good today. So even though iTunes makes it incredibly difficult to do that, if you can do that, it really helps me out. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving reviews. And remember, don't give up skeleton. And we're good. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. This has been great. This was a really fun conversation. I, uh, I like it when it, when things go all over the place.